Welcome back to the Lega Football Podcast. Today we're going to be discussing lower league, focusing on Serie C, but splashing through Serie D and Serie B, of course. Ecomi, you're with David Farini, your Lega host. It's time for that healthy dose of culture. I'm joined by Andy Wallace, who is a Serie C specialist, a lower league specialist. Andy is at C Calcistica on Twitter. Andy, thanks for joining once again. Oh, it's a pleasure to be on, David. Thank you very much. It's always a pleasure having you on. It's an even uh, bigger pleasure reading your tweets because they're fantastic and they keep everyone going, and especially when there's not much football in the summer and you follow all the sagas of the lower leagues and uh, we have so many of them to talk about today. So let's get into it. Serie C has new teams, but before we go into those, we have to take a look at the club's that are new to Serie C from Serie D and then explore what's happened with Serie B's relegation saga from May and June of 2022-23 that season. Uh, I know there's Siena, Regina, Pordenone. Those are, are clubs that perhaps are no longer with us, sadly. First, let's go through the clubs that haven't quite made it out of uh, last season. There's been a few that have been relegated to uh, Serie D. There's about nine or ten different clubs, San Giuliano City, is from the northern uh, Girone Piacenza, the northern Piacenza. That's shocking because Serie A club of the 90s, San Donato Tarvenelle, is gone. Imolese, Montevarchi, uh, Gelbison, Viterbese, which is Viterbo, if I'm right, uh, which is in Lazio, Fidelisandria, Podenone, and Siena. So those teams are gone. What have you got to tell us about any of those? Uh, well, I think on the pitch, um, the most... The, the kind of main saga towards the end of the season was with Piacenza eh, and with Triestina there at the bottom. There was, you know, there were suspicions of match fixing when Triestina got a couple of eh, dodgy goals, let's say, towards the end of the, their games that kept them up. It's explosive um, match yeah, fixing. Well, there were investigations into it. There were found to be meetings between Triestina directors and eh, players of. Eh, Tese, I think it was who they were they were playing who you know casually apparently they bumped into each other in a car park uh, in Crema where Pergolitese play um, it was found that there was uh, there was no match fixing in the end it, you know they, they didn't follow through with, with with any arrangements that there may have been despite the dodgy last minute goal um, so uh, the start of the season was kind of taken up with some um, confusion some um you know, the, the saga about, about uh, whether there would be repercussions for Triestina. In the end, there were not. Um, but in the end, one of the teams who disappeared, and I think that perhaps the two most interesting cases, some of those relegations were quite uh, straightforward. They were you know, foreseeable. Um, but two clubs who did not continue in the league, but who had a right to continue, who finished higher up the league, were Pordenone and Siena. Uh, Pordenone in particular who recently were in Serie B they've been out playing uh, away from their own town for, for a good few years now because there's no uh, stadium to, to, to play in, in Pordenone uh, at, the start of the at the end of the season uh, the owner came out and basically said look we're, we've got, got no, no money uh, we've been managing it really badly um, and so he said 
it looks unlikely that we'll, we'll register for, for this season. The plan there was to pull out, maybe join Serie D or, or, or join Echelenza in, in the fifth tier. Um, the problem is if you've got Serie C professional contracts, you cannot just uh, fail to honour those contracts. You have to come to some kind of agreement with the, the players who are on your playing staff because there are multi-year contracts there. They failed to do that uh, just in the past few days, actually. Um, so it looks like Pordenone will have no senior football at all uh, this season. Uh, not Serie D, not Echelenza. They'll, they'll continue to field a youth team in the youth leagues, um, but that's quite a quite a big blow to to the city and to um, you know to, to the football landscape. That's a massive blow, Andy, because Pordenone until probably three seasons ago were contenders to go up from Serie B to Serie A, if I remember correctly. Precisely. They had a push and then they just fell away. So that is the difference. You can slide down Mount Everest, can't you? You're nearly at the peak and then these smaller cities, uh, Pordenone is from Veneto as well, isn't it? And it's, it's so shocking to see a team that almost about to clinch that Serie A uh, historic promotional birth and then they're gone all of a yeah. sudden three years later and, and I think we're, we're used to seeing that with a lot of uh, southern teams even a lot of teams in, in Tuscany I'll, I'll, I'll touch on Siena in a moment um, but in that kind of northeastern area Friuli, Venezia, Giulia you're used to seeing teams that are a bit stronger a bit more uh, that manage their money a bit better so that game is a bit of a shock but again you're used to seeing the teams being relegated from Serie B to Serie C. Uh, you have a, a limited window to climb back up to Serie B. Otherwise, you're going to be uh, you're going to be facing financial trouble. Uh, and with the, the other team who um, who disappeared from the footballing map, uh, despite finishing mid-table, were Siena. Um, they like a lot of Tuscan teams recently. Um, were basically unable to stay afloat. They had a, they were owned by an Armenian group who, ever since they they started back in Serie D, they reformed back in Serie D. The mayor of Siena gave the license to form a, a club to represent the city of Siena to this Armenian consortium, um, and from the very beginning they were making very strange decisions. They, they hired Marion Pahars, former Southampton uh, player, to, to manage the team at one stage, um, despite not, not speaking a word of Italian, uh, alongside a former Dynamo Moscow coach who did not speak a word of Italian either. Uh, they got to the, the stage where they were just gesticulating between the uh, the pitch and the, and the bench without <laughs> being able to understand each other at all. It's the nation to do that, though, from some hand signals. Everyone knows in Italy that's the, the, the best form of communication, though. So <laughs> maybe they were hoping that that would be the way forward. Exactly. I don't know how, how well Russian hand signals translate over to uh, to Italian hand signals, but uh, eventually they, they, they came up, but just after a couple of years it was found that the, this Armenian group had no solidity at all so they've gone bankrupt again um, it's taken a, a while over the last few months for the the council in Siena the mayor to be able to again hand the keys to someone else to form a new team um, and that was done about a month ago and they've just got to go ahead to register them in Echelenza, which is the fifth tier. Um, so it looks like they'll be uh, back lower down. Um, the owner there, the new owner, is the former owner of Triestina who had his own problems last season, um, but it's just the same old. And it's probably going to happen again with uh, Regina, uh, who are looking to get back into Serie D. 
as well this season, obviously after their um, troubles and their appeals this summer to stay in Serie B. Well, uh, and now they'll go through that same process. I was going to say it's starting to to feel like it's a little bit of a a business model where some of these lower league uh, club owners they want to reinvest in a new team it's kind of like failed ngos you start a charity up you make a bit of coin you get rid of it you start a new one because we know that there's a a little bit of uh, dodgy dealings happening with those and people making quick cash out of charities and now we've seen it i guess a lot of the lower league italian clubs feel like they are charity cases at times especially when uh, people like yourself can follow the 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 history and and the sagas in in following which club just ends their existence and has to restart from from the ashes yeah i think a lot of the time um there are investors who see it as a great opportunity to pick a club up from that phoenix club state because it comes debt free um, the cost to register a team in serie d or echelenza are are very low um, you don't have to sign them up to professional contracts and on, on these amateur deals even though you're paying the players uh, you don't have the same tax burden um, so a lot of them see it as an opportunity to take them up into Serie C, into Serie B and sell them from there. You've seen it happen with uh, Venezia, you've seen it happen with so many other clubs. And so that's why you generally have this, you know, a, a field of eight, nine, ten potential investors looking to, uh, to, to gain the keys to these clubs from the mayor, because that's how it works. The mayor is the one who assigns the club uh, to investor. A lot of these investors um, are of... Um, dubious reputation shall we say <laughs> uh, a lot of them are not and a lot of them will uh, help the club and help the city yeah we hope that the best intentions are there and the mayors aren't in the pockets of uh, dodgy people but let's move on to Setiachi itself we've had a couple of issues going the other way up to Setia B uh, just quickly we'll, we'll touch on that because to get into Setiachi itself it's only just started the league's had its first round, which is great to see. It's it's back underway. Uh, going up was Ferelpi Salo, Reggiana, Catanzaro and Leco via the playoff. But there was more drama surrounding Leco's admission into Serie B because there was a dispute with Brescia. We didn't know if Regina was going to hang around. Take us through that. The Leco situation started to go sour, let's say. Um, back in in April uh, or, or May actually uh, in the playoff final where, where they played against Foggia Foggia were the favourites to go through Leco were, were not among the favourites to win the playoffs at the at the, out, at the outset so uh, Foggia played against uh, Leco in the final uh, there was a, there were a couple of decisions in that final that went against Foggia went for Leco uh, which Foggia supporters were not happy about the uh, management was not happy about it transpired that the referee for that game was born in Leco, um, even though he was registered with a, a referees association in another town. Uh, so, understandably, the Fodgers, the supporters were unhappy, but there was nothing that was done about it. Um, unfortunately for Leco, two days after the final, two days after they gained the right to play in Serie B, came the deadline for registration to Serie B. Leco were caught off guard uh, because their stadium was not um, up to scratch to play in Serie B. Before the, the end of the season, before the end of the playoffs, they had covered their backs by agreeing and uh, with Monza in principle to share 
their stadium um, wow. if they went up. So the so the story goes is that they had everything arranged uh, orally, and they just needed uh, the the signatures to, to to use their stadium. Around those dates, Silvio Berlusconi passed away, which meant that the the deal to use Monza Stadium wasn't you know. But even though it was still there. There was no way to, to get over the line because Monza had pretty much closed shop um, around those days. Um, you know, Galliani, you can imagine, who's, who himself would have been quite affected by Berlusconi's, um, but, but, but by the loss. Uh, so in the end, they, they, they agreed this deal um, to, to, to share uh, a stadium in, in Serie B with, uh, with, with Padova, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and they had everything ready um, up to the basically the, the 24th hour. It looked like uh, they were uh, sure to, to get the go ahead to, to use the stadium. Uh, and that agreement did not come through. Um, in the end, they, they missed the registration de- deadline. And because of that, they were, um, they were prevented from uh, playing in, in Serie B. Uh, because of that, they they appealed. Um, Foggia looked to uh, to take their place. Brescia were wanting to take their place. Perugia wanted to take the, their place. There was a line of clubs um, who were in line to uh, to 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 succeed. Leco basically. And just for uh, context, Andy, Perugia and Brescia were relegated with Benevento from Serie B. So that's why Perugia, because Benevento finished twentieth in Serie B. Perugia and Brescia just above them that therefore they had dibs on getting back into the second division because yeah, it's next in line if the Serie uh, G side can't come up then uh, you know someone's looking to to take their place Brescia were the most vocal about it Perugia were around for a little bit Regina added to the spice but uh, also we'll go back to the the Monza thing where uh, Monza isn't far from Lecco it's probably an hour maybe maybe a bit less uh, down the down the highway and and Berlusconi passing Galliani, lifelong friend of Silvio Berlusconi. Therefore, they closed up shop and uh, there was no way to get through uh, to make that agreement and just j- uh, rounding off with the part of a thing. Uh, part of a they actually agreed that or you're not yes. sure. Oh, they yes. Okay. They, they they agreed it just they actually agreed it in um, in principle before the deadline. The actual authorization from the uh, from the club and from the council came through hours after the the registration deadline closed, uh, but after the um, you know, basically after these appeals, it was found that yes, they they, they would be allowed to play in in Padova, um, in which they they, they they will be doing uh, for the first few matches of the season until Leco have their uh, stadium up to scratch. Uh, the other club who thought that they had a, a good claim to Leco's place was Foggia because after all they had lost to Leco in the playoff final so they thought that that place should have fallen to them um, there was the, the, the rules and the, the, the league rules on this are not clear cut uh, you would seem to think that well if there are four promotion places from Serie C there should be an entitlement for for those for for the team who who won the playoffs to be replaced by the team who finished second in the playoffs rather than a team who relegated from Serie B um but in the end it was it was academic because Lecco did manage to to keep their place uh, or to to take their rightful place uh, in Serie B 
And well done to them because they were only given two or three days after they'd won promotion in that second leg of the final to get all the paperwork through and, and have everything sealed. And I mean, it's Italy, I know that things are dysfunctional, but come on, you've got to give a team that's come up from the third division. I'm not sure Lecco had ever been up there. Well, they hadn't been up there for a long time. So uh, it was, it, uh, to me, it's ridiculous to yeah. to have the, the playoff final, knowing that that team's in there, that they may not have a stadium ready to go and that you're going to refuse them based on that, but then not giving them ample time to get everything and have it approved. This was an oversight from the Italian FA because the playoffs were pushed back to allow an appeal from Siena during the, you know, at the end of the regular season before the playoffs kicked off. So all the playoff dates were pushed back um, until you know the final was, was planned for two days before the, the registration deadline. Um, but they didn't push back the registration deadline. They've done that in previous years uh, during COVID, for example. They've pushed back the registration play, uh, deadline when there have been relegation players played and everything. Um, on this occasion, they didn't do it. And I think the Italian FA realised that they made a mistake in doing that, which is why ultimately they accepted Lecco's appeal. Then when that appeal was was refused, um, the, 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 in the end, the courts backed back Lecco's uh, stance there. They recognise those difficulties that Lego did have in meeting that deadline. Sure. And so is there anything more to add on Foggia or should we go up to uh, talk about Regina and what happened to them? Up to you. We'll touch on, we'll touch on, on Regina just uh, just a second. And then maybe they go finished back seventh in Serie B, I might add, Regina. So we'll go and talk about them. They're from Calabria, for those of you who don't know. They finished seventh, which means they make the top eight and therefore they make the playoffs of Serie B to go up to the first division, Serie A. And from there, it's all turned sour. Take us through that. Regina did have a, a good season on the pitch um, in CDB this season uh, or last season. Uh, the problem has always been their their debt situation. Uh, they had unsustainable debt built up uh, from their previous owner, um, Luca Gallo, who was arrested last summer uh, on charges of, of tax fraud. Uh, it looked like Regina might go to the wall last summer. Uh, the there was a new owner who stepped in last summer who who, who also owned a Serie D club. He, he claimed Regina. It looked like things were uh, on a good footing again. Um, the problem, obviously, was that they had to reduce it. This 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 debt, dozens of millions of pounds of euros of debt, uh, which they managed to do through the courts. They managed to uh, take advantage of, of an Italian national law um, which had just come in, allowing companies to write off up to 95% of their debt. And Regina did that. Um, the only thing they had to do was to respect the, the debt payments that, that, that they still had to pay after that 95% was written off. Um, it looked like uh, coming towards uh, May, June, that they were going to do that. They paid off most of the debt uh, they were due to pay. And then all of a sudden, everything went quiet. Um, they failed to pay off around 700,000 euros, which on the grand scale of things was uh, pocket money. Um, and the, the league decided, well, if you, if, if, if you were unable to, uh, to pay off that, that final amount by the deadline, then um, basically you're, you're out of the league. Um, it should be said that the, the league and the other Serie B clubs were unhappy at Regina being able to write off that much debt. They thought it was, um, it was unfair in terms of competition, uh, that they were basically able to get players in on big con contracts 
uh, whose wages are uh, whose, whose certainly the the tax related to those salaries they would end up not having to pay. They went into um, with the intention of of not allowing Regina to to continue uh, and. This, even when it came to the, to the appeals phase, uh, all of the clubs in Serie B went to court to tell the court not to admit Regina. They, uh, they, they were quite unhappy with how things had gone. Um, Regina fans, obviously, furious at that. They also failed to understand why there was uh, some leeway given to, to Leco in terms of their registration deadline, but not to Regina. So Regina have, um, after several appeals, uh, been kicked out of the league, uh, and they too will have to start from, it looks like, Serie D, um, a completely new company, a completely new owner and everything. Sure, and, and for those of you who are new to calcio, Italian football, this is not the first time this has happened. It's not a new thing. It's not because of lockdown or, or just because of that. That's had a massive effect on the finances of all the clubs, including Serie A clubs. But we've seen Napoli go down bankrupt 20 years ago and come back. Uh, Fiorentina, Parma, uh, and now we're looking at a whole host of other clubs. They're, they're former Serie A clubs, they're former clubs with pedigree, and, and, and they're suffering now. Regina with 700000 to pay back. And that's a second division club, which you'd think would have the money, considering they've got Pippo Inzaghi as their coach and a, a few top-line players. And somehow they can't come up with 700 grand that is a reflection <laughs> uh, you know in a microcosm that that is what Serie B has become with their finances I guess because you know we can also see the lack of promotion the lack of investment the lack of broadcasting deals yeah I think there there is a lot I mean there are a lot of problems when it comes to the financing of, of clubs in Serie B and Serie C uh, a lot of the models to finance the clubs are very complex, come through a lot of uh, companies. You never know when the money's coming from sponsors or, or um, you know, there, there's now this uh, this trend of English hedge funds getting involved where every time a club is set to be sold, there is either rumoured to be or there is a, in inverted commas, English investment fund um, who is either interested or, or gets involved. No one's ever quite sure. Perhaps English, but backed by the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia? Exactly. English <laughs> English, English registered, certainly, um, but an English registered uh, investment fund only uh, only tells you a certain amount about uh, who's there. Perhaps um, you know, there's certainly a lack uh, of, of certainty uh, and transparency there, so I think that was the case with, with Regina as well. I was never one hundred percent sure where, where that money was coming from. Even with with Luca Gallo, who said before him, um, as as owner, there was never that transparency there, and that that unfortunately that will keep happening uh, year after year until there are steps, which I don't know even if they're feasible. Uh, taken to uh, to put in a, a stricter due diligence process. It's a real, uh, yeah, absolutely. It's a real juggling act for these clubs now. Let's take a look at the final classifica of Serie B and what's happened because uh, Leco is there. Uh, Spetia went down from Serie A. Ferrari Salo and uh, also uh, Leco and the other two clubs that have come up are Catanzaro and Reggiana, which is great to see them back in the second division. So the clubs that left Serie B to go up, um, 
to Serie A uh, were obviously Cagliari's back, Genoa and Frosinone. So we're just going through what's happened, who's moved where. Let's take a look at Serie C now and we'll start off with the Southern Division, which is everyone's favourite, let's be honest, because uh, you know, the passion between the rivalries between some of these clubs. Catania is back, Andy. Yeah, and I think Catania's it's a great story as well for uh, Aussie viewers because they went bankrupt two years ago now. They had to start from Serie D and it was uh, an Australian investor who picked up the club. Bloody oath. Uh, investor who, who, who has uh, a presence in Australia among sports teams there, I believe, as well. Works in the construction sector um, with roots in Sicily. Um, so he went out last year. Um, he took the club straight up to Serie C. Uh, one of his first signings last year was uh, Catania legend Francesco Lodi, yes. um, who actually scored the first goal for the club um, when they on the return to uh, to football so in Serie D, and they came straight up uh, quite easily. It's very difficult for Serie D clubs to win Serie C, even if you have the investment, because you have to completely overhaul your team. You have to go from what are on paper amateur contracts to professional contracts. Uh, which it's you know as well as meaning of some things paying more money it means paying a lot more a lot more in tax uh, you have to sign players who are fit for that league which often means a betting in period um, which is longer than for for clubs who who, who do have a an established playing squad um, there is hope though that, that Catania do have a team that is able to challenge this season. Um, they, they signed one of the, the, the best players in the division, Kiriko, uh, who was at Crotone last season, who, who would have uh, won the division if it weren't for the juggernaut that was Catanzaro. Um, so things look quite promising for them. Uh, they'll be up against primarily Benevento, uh, a strengthened Avellino side. Uh, Crotone, again, will be there or thereabouts. One of the the bigger clubs in Serie C, uh, who I don't think will be at the, the top this season, are Foggia. Um, Foggia, who you'll remember from Zeman Landia in the 1990s, yes. um, who even in the. Pepe Signori, Giovanni Stroppa, the players. Exactly. A fine team with, with a, a fine football heritage. Uh, even in recent season, they've been in Serie B. Um, before themselves uh, having to go down to Serie D. But they have had a rotten summer. Um, they, as I mentioned, they, they were defeated by, by Leco in the in the playoff final by, uh, they will say, a referee born in Leco. Um, they went the whole summer concentrating on their appeals through the court to try and win Leco's place in Serie B rather than strengthening their squad. They only appointed their manager, Codini, uh, formerly of, of Campobasso. They, they appointed him just a couple of days before the, the Coppa Italia first round. Um, in the Coppa Italia, they went in with a squad of around 12 players, plus youth players. Uh, somehow uh, got, a, got a very good result uh, and lost uh, only in, um, in, in extra time, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and that that was the case right up to the start of the season. They, they failed to invest in their squad, um, and it looks like I mean there are also there's trouble behind the scenes uh, as well there with the owner. Uh, it's not quite clear how that is going to pan out. Uh, 
they have had like two years, two years ago, two seasons ago, they had this examine in charge. Um, and under the same over ownership, he stormed up, stormed off, saying that it was uh, an impossible place to manage with that climate. Fodja also, uh, they were in action last weekend against Taranto, uh, where they travelled and got got beat two 0 uh, Probably the, the the most striking thing about that game was not on the pitch but off the pitch, where Fodja supporters were allowed to to attend the match. Um, for the first time in, in a few years, usually Fodja supporters are banned from Taranto because there is a derby there, which even though it, it perhaps lacks the luster of you know, Barry Lecce, Barry Fodja, Barry Taranto, which are the big pullion derbies, is still um, quite a high-risk match. Um, Fodja supporters were allowed to travel. In the end, they only entered the stadium in the, in the 62nd minute, um, apparently for, for trouble outside the ground. Um, and when they were in there, um, the by the end of the match, they had set fire to the Curva uh, Sud, where uh, they were located, um, causing quite a uh, quite a large fire. And you've tweeted at, uh, about this, I've seen it. Yes, and it caused a, a lot of damage because underneath the stand there were debris. There was um, they, there was an artificial. Pitch rolls of artificial, or, or rather the, the the rubber bullets that you use for artificial pitches, bags of them. Um, so they set fire to to those highly flammable substance. Quite what they were doing under the stand is uh, a question that needs to be answered, especially underneath the away stand inhabited by um, probably one of the the most um, you know pyromaniacal <laughs> supports in in Europe. Um, and so and and that fire erupted again on, on, on Monday morning. For Lecce, uh, for Foggia themselves, I should say, um, that means an automatic one-stadium ban because it was their supporters who who, um, who lit the fire. Uh, so they, they'll face that and there might be further repercussions down the line, not to mention the, the repercussions for Taranto and their, um, their continued use of, of their stadium. Taranto, they were off with a win and uh, for the season that's just kicked off, which I might add, as you, you've gone through Catania there as well, joining them is, uh, well, we'll go through all the teams that have been promoted from Serie D, Sestri, Levante, Lumezzane, Legnano, Gianna, Erminio, Arezzo, Pineto, Sorrento, Brindisi, Catania, Casertana. So those are the teams that have gone up from the fourth division and they're going to be distributed through the, according to their uh, geographical location, which Girone they will play in this three in the Italian third division, north, middle, and south. And it's the southern one is always the most entertaining. There's always a plethora of goals. And at the moment, Juve Stabia, uh, which are in it this season, uh, are up there with a whole host of teams like Taranto, Potenza, Crotone are still there, which everyone will remember. Junior Messias and Simi were the two up front for them in the, I think it was the 2020-21 season in Serie A. And they bounced down to the third division in straight sets after coming last in uh, Serie B a couple of years ago. So this is their second continuous uh, successive season in the third division. Uh, who else do you have your eye on there? Avellino's there. Uh, Benevento's there as well. Yeah, I think Benevento are one. And we'll get into to this as well. The central division with some of these relegated teams from Serie B, Benevento, Spal, uh, Perugia. Three of them where there is a lot of young talent there. Um, but they're still in that squad building stage where, okay, apart from for Perugia, who've been granted an extension, um, Spal and Benevento in particular, uh, they've, 
you know the transfer window was closed um, but they were it seemed like they were very late in building their squads I think Benevento do have that mix of uh, experience and, and youth um, to get them through they have the young player uh, Carfora who uh, came onto the scene at the age of just 17 I believe in Serie B last season uh, the first player born in 2006 to um, to, to, to play in, in, Serie, in, in Italian professional awesome. football which will be good if he gets a bit of space this season um, so they'll probably start off as favourites they managed to, to, to keep some of that, that team uh, who were expected to do better things in Serie B Yeah they lost Genia Acampora on the last day of the deadline day last week he's the midfielder that was so good for Spezia went to Benevento had their promotion push a couple of seasons ago. And I was wondering where he was going to go, but he's such a solid midfielder. He's gone to Bari on deadline day. So he's going to play for the De Laurentiis there and try and get Bari promoted up. And I saw on Instagram, Acampora had uh, thanked Benevento for the service and tried to convince the fans of that he was he's loyal to the club. He would have stayed if they'd uh, stayed up and, and all that, that kind of thing. Because it's so hard for these players that our fringe Serie A players to go to the third division. Because you see, you do see that. They go down and then they, they end up coming back up. We've um, also seen Antonucci with Bardi do that. He's gone from playing with Spal down to the third division, bringing Bardi back up to the second division and nearly getting them promoted to Serie A. So there are some, some loyal players down there. Yeah, and, and Antonucci himself, um, he's back with, with Spal, actually, um, who've just got relegated against Serici. Antonucci has left Barry, go back to Serici, uh, where he'll, uh, is it to, to, to where he will will play with uh, Spal once more. At the tender age of, what is he now, 56? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Summer, he's certainly approaching that. Um, he's about 39. I yeah, think. In, in terms of those players as well who were, who were who have recently been in Serie A, there's Camilo Ciano, uh, who's a Frosinone in Serie A. Uh, he's at, at Benevento this season as well. Um, so so there's, there's still a lot of talent playing there. Um, you've got Andres Tello as well, who's a, a big part of Benevento last season, uh, Venezuelan. Um, in midfield who, who's, who's staying obviously these players some of these players are on, on big wages still so there will be a lot of, um, Benevento have a lot of risk if they do not go straight back up um, well that's the risk like you've spoken about in previous pods some of these clubs are investing big money and they have to go up or they're done more or less so uh, they lost to Tourist though on the weekend uh, Pastina got Benevento off to a decent start but then uh, Maniero Kum and uh, Dauria scored and uh, having a look at that Benevento lineup, yeah Chiano up forward uh, then you've got they've still got uh, Macariello there uh, Paleari is still there wow he, you know, he, he was a, a fringe goalkeeper in Serie A for quite some time uh, better and uh, their coach now their coach now is Matteo Andreoletti he was last season at Processo, uh, a very um, you know, humble team, let's say. A team that had no business being towards uh, the top of Serie C. They were in uh, Girone A, the, the Northern Division, a club from Sesto San Giovanni, just outside of Milan. Um, and he had them challenging for the, for the title in uh, the Northern Division last season, uh, playing quite a, quite an exciting brand of uh, of. of counter-attacking football but aggressive counter-attacking football um, so obviously they have liked what they've seen in him and they've brought him in he's, he's a young manager he's only 34 uh, so their hope is that he'll lead them up to Serie B and I think even in Serie B uh, I think he would be one of the 
uh, the managers who is most in line for um, a job, even even in the, the lower echelons of Serie A, if he performs yeah. well. Well, uh, Benevento, he must be good because he's lured in the likes of Amadeo Benedetti, the Cittadella favourite son from a couple of seasons ago. He was there for a, for a long time. And also Filippo Berra joined from uh, Sutirol. He was with Pisa when Pisa played Monza in that Serie A promotion a couple of uh, years ago. And he scored in one of those legs. So he could have been in Serie A. And look at him, he's in. He's with Benevento in, in Serie C. And uh, so Carrarese, the likes of Pescara in the middle, um, Girone, Juventus next gen are there, the under-19s slash under-23s, depending on what they like to do on each week. So the Juve next gen uh, youth academy in the middle division, Perugia, uh, Virtus Entella, who are always uh, there or thereabouts, Ancona, former Serie A greats, uh, Olbia from Sardegna, uh, Arezzo from Tuscany, and the new boys from Serie D, Sestri Levante. Anything more to add about the middle Girone Group B? I think with, um, with Pescara in the division, that's where your your eyes always go to first. Um, obviously, it's Daniel Zeman. <laughs> He's everywhere. He's everywhere. Yeah, and he, he's built a, a very young side. Um, he always does standing examine. You know, he always, he, despite being uh, considered as, as an old fogey by by most Italians, um, he he's one of the the coaches who is the first to launch young players. Obviously, synonymous with the, the career of Francesco Dotti, um, Insigne, Ciro Immobile. Um, and now he's built a, a, a very young side with uh, midfielders, you know, Nagasso at, at just 19, Dennis Manu at just 19, um, even playing the kind of defensive mid, midfield field role. He has Nicolos Guizzato, who's, who's signed from uh, from Inter. Um, so it looks like a young a young team that could make a big impression. Federico Cornero as well, who they've taken on loan from, from Genoa, who got a yeah, goal at the weekend at just 19. With a brace, and they beat Juventus next gen on the weekend, 3-1. So that, that, that's a really good effort because some of those next-gen players, Andy, have played for Italy in the summer, under-19s, and the FIFA World Cup in Argentina. And so they've got Ricardo Turique, next, the next-gen side. And also everyone was talking about Dean Husen in the summer, having a great preseason for the Juventus senior side, not getting a run in the squad, but he was immense through the preseason. So these are the players playing for... The Juventus, I don't know what to call them, under-19s or under-23s. I guess it's a mix. Uh, you know, but he played against the likes of uh, Real Madrid. Also, Spal are in that Girone. And as you said, they've got Antonucci up forwards. Uh, they got a 1-0 win on the weekend over Vizpezero. And uh, Siligardi is also there, who's a former uh, Parma player. who was there for quite a few years. Verona, Livorno. Uh, he spent the last three seasons with Felipe Salor. They went up, so he stayed in the third division with um, with Spal uh, Carraro, another player who impressed me with Cosenza a couple of seasons ago in Serie B. He's there in the midfield running that. Uh, Tripaldelli, who was a, a Cagliari player, uh, he's still with Spal. Uh, played with Sassuolo, came through the Juve next gen, went to uh, Holland to play with Zwolle. And, you know, these are the players that you can see. And, are you, you're watching Serie C, obviously. What, what are you watching it through this season? Uh, well, at the moment, we're still waiting for a deal to come through um, to, for the, the international rights. Last season, it was yeah. on 196 Sports. Um, this season, they've assigned the, the domestic rights to Sky and to Now TV. 
um, there is uh, the option, I suppose, which isn't entirely legal to watch it through a VPN. Uh, I know some people have managed to, to do that, others have not. Um, I thought I would uh, give, it, give it a week to see whether there's a deal struck because, I mean, there, there is still interest from abroad, especially if you look at the likes of Catania, who do have that Australian yeah. owner. Um, so you ask yourself, well, if he's trying to promote the club in Australia, and he has done that with um, the Australian government, you know, with, uh, try to strike, strike deals with them, he should be at front and centre of trying to, to agree some kind of deal for, for those international rights. They're not that expensive um, if you compare them to to other leagues. Um, so you would hope something something might come out in the next couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, at the moment, it's a, it's, it's a black hole, really, in terms of watching a league. A couple of years ago, they had, had games live on YouTube. Um, they don't have that at the moment. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a little well, bit let's troublesome. Let's at least go to YouTube if they cut for at least one game of the week. There's so many in City Chi. I remember with 196 last season, you could just log on and, and click through so many games that were being played simultaneously. Uh, we'll just finish off with Girone B, Andy, because I know you've got to head off shortly, but Perugia still have Matos up forward. They got Bartolome, who was a, a former Spezia a midfielder, went to Cremonese and, and helped them get pushed up to Serie A. Also, they have, uh, uh, well, Matos, Bartolome, I think that was the only two that really stood out to me. To, to be fair, they've also got Stipe Vulikic, who uh, went over from the Croatian football to, to Perugia. And he's uh, now making his mark. He's been selected uh, through in the preseason. He was one of their better performers. So uh, also Del Orco is, is there still, who was really on the cusp with Lecce in uh, 2020. Spezia, uh, some of the players that just can't quite crack Serie A, Serie B are there. Uh, they uh, drew nil all on the weekends with Lucchese. Yeah, and I think I think with Perugia, many of those names you're mentioning um, are not getting into the the team just now. Um, whether it's a, and I think it's a kind of um, conscious decision um, by by the club. It looked like they were they were trying to sell uh, a lot of them. Uh, during the the previous weeks, uh, which they managed to to, to offload uh, a few of them. You know, one of the ones who went was uh, Giuseppe Di Serio, a striker who who went to Atalanta. He's joined their their under twenty three teams just because I mean for him, I suppose they they needed the money. Um, so they have the, the potential to field quite a strong midfield. Uh, they've taken Torazzi from from Pordenone, for example. They've got Christian Kuan still there. Uh, Simone Santoro, uh, who also is a is, is a very good uh, midfielder, still very young. Um, so it feels like they, they still have to find their feet. They still have another few days to sign players who've been uh, granted an extension um, because of of, of their, their appeal um, against uh, against Lecco's inclusion in Serie B. Um, so we still have to kind of figure out what, what kind of team they're fielding. So it might take them a few weeks to, to get up and running. Again, they drew 0-0 against Lucchese. At the the end of at the, on the first day of the season, that's a difficult trip that to Lucchese. Lucchese as well, who are managed by um, the manager who, of the former manager of the Frosinone uh, Primavera team, uh, who was challenging for the, the the national title last year, and who was the assistant manager when Frosinone climbed from Serie C to Serie A under under Stallone. Um, so that's a, it's a tough a, a tough 
first fixture to go into, especially when your your team's only it's half tough built. first fixture, Andy. But what a city to go to! I love Luca as a as a town. Oh, it's, it's lovely. so lovely. I would recommend everyone to go there if you haven't been. It's in Tuscany, and it's uh, just inbound from Pisa. Get the flight to Pisa from wherever you are. You cannot go wrong in Luca. Fabulous food as well. Uh, the the city walls simply it's so it's it's gorgeous. It's a gorgeous place to visit. Um, Italy with so many quality destinations. We could, get, we could make a pod just on that. Andy, let's go to Girone A and have a look. Um, one of the things that have caught my eye is the Atalanta under-23s are in there. So what is new about this? Ciestino there, Prosesto from Milan are there from the Cesar uh, San Giovanni area. Padova, Alessandria, who some will remember from the City B playout against Cosenza a couple of seasons ago. The Provocelli side that won so many Scudetti early on, uh, I guess back before it was uh, Serie A. But, uh, you know, it's an interesting division, probably not the most appealing, not the most, you wouldn't salivate over this one, but still Vicenza are there as well. And Atalanta for me with Cortinovis playing there, Alessandro Cortinovis, who was a promising budding young star as well, went to Verona, I believe. Also, Cosenza, he played a, a handful of games there, played with Regina for a season, uh, came through the Atalanta under-19 season. He's back there, obviously. He's been owned by Ladea the whole time, and, and, and they're not integrating him into the senior squad at this point. He's there with, um, I think it's, uh, is it Mustafa Chise up forward? Uh, he, he's, um, he's, he's started on the weekend, let me check the match from the weekend. Giovanni Bonfanti as well. Yeah, yeah, he's, he started and then... Mm-hmm. And I think the thing is with this Atlanta side, I'm still trying to get my head around what they're trying to do because in the last couple of years, Atalanta have been one of the sides who loan most players to Serie C and, and to Serie B. Um, this year, they got to go ahead to register a, Serie, a team in, in Serie C uh, after Siena's demise. Um, so th- some of these names, you know, Marco Varnier, for example, are, are, are big names. You're allowed, even though it's an under-23 team, your team, you're allowed some experienced players. Yeah, Alberto Masi Ma- in defence as well. Masi's 31, yeah. Yeah, but most of them will be young players. However, Atalanta have continued to loan out players. You know, get players like Jacopo Dariva, uh, who's gone to, to Reggiana. Um, and they've been left with players who I think last season did not promise an awful lot. Jonathan Italeng is one of them. He was at Taranto two years ago, failed to make an impression. Last season, he was at Montevarque. He's 22, which you're saying, right, okay, he's under 23, but it's quite late in his career to, to, to start springing a surprise. He did get a goal at the weekend, but still. Um, so there, there, there are a few names there um, who, you know, Guabois, for example, who's come back from uh, Pescara, uh, last season, who'll be looking to to get some game time, um, but I'm not expecting a, a great deal from them this season. I think that they might get a get a shock. They lost to Virtus Verona, yeah, three two loss at home, first one. And I know it's early in the season; you can't really judge a, a team on the, even the first month, I guess. You know, I remember the great Paolo Maldini used to say, you know, you can't judge us after three or four games. We're still get, we're still gelling as a squad and not just as a team out on the pitch. The, the, the mister hasn't even got his tactics right yet. So, and, and they're dealing with preseason injuries, who's coming off ACLs, who's got hamstring issues, who's uh, not communicating well with the coach. He doesn't want him in the squads, uh, locker room issues, all sorts of things. So you need that time to filter 
in and out um, what the what the side needs. I think the I think the favourite there is Vicenza. Uh, Vicenza managed yes. by Imo Diana, uh, who was at Reggiana last season. He's been at Reggiana last two seasons. Um, who has stormed the league really both of those seasons, but he's always faltered at the end. You know, that's there's a question over Imo Diana's bottle. I think, uh, from his time at Regina. Um, even last season, it looked like uh, there came a time when he bottled it and he was going to let Virtus Intella or Cesena win the league ahead of them. Um, so he's in charge of Vicenza. He's built a team from the, the early, from the start of the summer, basically. Um, they've gone into the first game of the season and they, uh, they came away with it quite, with quite a... Uh, quite a poor result, a nil-nil draw at home against Albino Lefe. Especially when you've got a Ferrari um, up front. But over time, you would expect them to exactly, and they have got one of the uh, one of the best strikers in the league in Franco Franco Ferrari, um, who has not got off to uh, the fastest <laughs> start the, this season. Pass. Anyway, uh, he's, he's stalled. I guess you could say uh, problems with the club, <laughs> but also they've got a Ronaldo in their team. Don't worry about the Saudi Premier League. Go to Serie C to watch Ronaldo. He's playing in that. Vicenza's side in midfield. Yeah, he's a wonderful, wonderful set-piece expert, Ronaldo. He uh, used to be at, at Padova. Um, and, you know, hopefully he'll, he'll add that quality, which I think with Imo Diana's teams as well. Last year, Reggiani had Cigarini, um, formerly of yes. um, Cagliari, among, among others, but he needs that that brain in a defence midfield. So, so he, he should be able back to bring Reggiana. back in a, a Serie yeah, legend. Yeah, uh, Cigarini's in Serie B now with Reggiano, I believe. Is he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. He's, he's still got the quality. Oh, you know, yeah, the, the yeah, legs, the perhaps, not so much. Definitely but, got the uh, set. And he's coached by Alessandro Nesta, for those of you who don't know. Uh, Vladimir Golomik is uh, the hitman, the former Crotone hitman that plays at the back for Vicenza. Uh, any other names there? Decol, who I'm pretty sure he was with Sudtirol in their promotion push-up from Serie C. Yeah, and, and, and Vicenza depends so much on those wing-backs. Um, in Serie C... Um, they, they, they focus. They focus a lot of their play down the wings. He likes to to, to get those wing backs high, move the uh, attacking midfielders, the trequartistas inside uh, to be able to create that space. They had that with Guglielmo Motti in Serie C, um, who I believe has moved to I think Ferrapisa Low, perhaps um, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so he'll he'll focus on his play down uh, down the flanks with De Col and with uh, Costa as well, who joins from. Uh, from Foggia, a very, a very good player alone from from Napoli, um, but, but the kind of player who can get some excellent crosses in for Ferrari. Uh, you know, I, I check my my uh, teams on the Flash Score app, and it's uh, interesting to see a lot of these lower division sides playing the three five two or uh, some kind of uh, remix of it. Uh, and it's so important to have the wing play for that. They have to go up and down and uh, sort of shift across when one goes up high and. It, it, all these Italian coaches love tinkering. They love the chemistry of, uh, yeah, that's why Italian coaching is so big. It's such a big export. And you, you can see it from Roberto De Zerbi to Ancelotti with Real Madrid. Uh, they've exported them across. Now Mancini taking over at uh, Saudi Arabia as the national team coach there. So uh, a lot of these coaches doing their apprenticeships in Serie D, Serie C. And uh, like you said, you know, this former uh, under-19 Primavera coaches going into the third division and making their mark. It's it's so wonderful to see. Yeah, yeah. And I think you find that the, the most uh, most of the, the managers in Serie A, certainly in Serie B, most of them who go into Serie A um, are 
coming from a background with Serie C clubs. You've got, you know, Vincenzo Italiano, for example. Um, you know, there's several of them who who have come from there. You know, without even having to uh, to go back to Pioli and and, and managers like that. Yeah. Uh, anything from some of the other teams that have come up? Sestri Levante, Lumezzane, who are, I think is a team near Brescia, Legnano. Yeah, I think Lumezzane are an interesting one there. Uh, chairman is um, Andrea Caracciolo, yes. uh, former yes. striker of Brescia, uh, a, a, Serie, a Serie B legend. Uh, He's a great striker as well because he played with, I think he played in that team with Baggio and Pirlo. He might have been in the squad back then about 20 years ago when Brescia made their mark uh, back then. But sorry, go on, Andy. Yeah, I, I think on the pitch, we'll, we'll have to see um, how they do. Sestri Levanti have come up as well. We'll have to wait and see. I don't think they'll bring anything particularly yeah, exciting. on the weekend. Um, so. Yeah, but what you, what you usually find is that, that these teams who do come up are very tough. Lenyago got yeah. a 4-0 win, for example, over Arzignano this weekend. Gianni Arme- uh, Gianna Arminio beat Propatria away 2-1. So you find that they always start very well, and it's unusual for a team who gets direct, directly fr- promoted from Serie D to finish bottom of Serie C. Usually, they can hang around okay. the middle, um, or often get get relegated through the through the playoffs. But it's it's unusual that one of them is left uh, left at the bottom. It hasn't happened for a few years. I think since since Tarantel back in maybe twenty seventeen, that I'd say directly promoted from Serie D has finished bottom. So of they're the off, league. yeah. And, and Vasco De Gini actually signed for Sestri Levante. Quite interestingly, I thought I'd throw that name in there. I've just checked the uh, formation. They're, they're one of the teams that are not playing a, a three-man backline. So um, what? I'm not going to ask you for predictions because like you just explained, you just don't know what's going to happen. And most of the time, the Serie D teams can survive and stay up and, and sort of hover around that, that middle uh, of, the, of the Girone. So... Uh, anything else to add in terms of uh, interesting facts or I think I think what we're what will be interesting to see is which of these teams becomes a, a juggernaut in the same way that Catanzaro did last season um, a lot of that will be down to the quality of the players themselves you look at you know Yari van der Poote last year who oh, was at Catanzaro so and he that ball he put through for your medals header on the weekend in Serie B they're top of Serie B now Catanzaro and, and van der Poote had Double figures for goals and assists from left back, from left wing back he was yeah. playing last season. Yeah. Um, and usually that happens. There's a couple of players who come through um, with, with with that kind of of, of quality. Um, you know, you're looking at perhaps someone like um, Volpe, Giovanni Volpe at Potenza, or, or 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 someone like that who might be able to come through and just offer that quality that gets them uh, that, that that makes them an impact player immediately in Serie B. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've seen the two City Cheese sides that were promoted. 4-3, entertaining seven-goal away win for Catanzaro in that one. And uh, Yamello is uh, on the score sheet. He scored their first goal and Van der Poote scored the second. And then we had a, a couple of relative unknowns. But um, Alfredo Donnarumma has joined Catanzaro as well. So that, that's that's great to see. Yeah. And, and and with Catanzaro, especially Yamelo is is not a Serie C centre forward. He was playing in Serie C last season because he loves the club. He loves Catanzaro. Um, he's shown that many times when he scored against Cosenza in the past, where he's tried, you know, where he's you know shown that he, he wanted to get it up them by, but uh, by, by putting it in the net. He's a Serie. He's a, a top Serie B centre. He's an forward, assassin. Even 20, though he was playing twenty eight goals last season. Last season. In 36 games. Yeah, yeah, and if you pair him with, with Donnarumma up front, it's um, 
yeah, there's there's going to be goals at, at Catanzaro last season. And we always see it. There are always clubs from Serie B, uh, from Serie Chi, who go straight on uh, to, to wipe the floor with a lot of Serie B clubs, actually, so often with minimal changes or, or just with the right right tinkering uh, to the squad. Yeah. So, I mean, it could be Catanzaro this season. Yeah, well, it looks like they might be the side to make the top eight at the very least. We saw Sutirol do it, even though they had a shocking start to life in the second division last year. And uh, then they switched it up, brought in uh, Bizoli, and then he he got them through to the playoffs. I think they made fifth or sixth position. They, they were on course for top four, and they just sort of faded at the end, Sutirol. Uh, Serie B is looking good. Uh, we've sort of touched on the sides that went up. We won't go into Serie B today, Annie, because I know you've got to get going. Um, thank you for joining. We will be able to find you at C Calcistica. That's double C A L C I S T I C A. That's on Twitter. Uh, you've written for the Gentleman Ultra. You're one of those calcio insiders that we love to hear about. Go and read his tweets because they're always fantastic. Uh, just scrolling through them this morning. You've got stories about Taranto, Pegoletese, you've got the Regina and you've got the Pordenone Siena saga. You've got photos that will just, uh, you know, warm your heart, uh, that bring back memories from Foggia and so on. And he's so, he's a, he's an encyclopedia of culture. Um, Andy, let's wrap it up and let's maybe uh, catch up Said he cheese all the way through the international break, which is perfect. Hopefully, they actually get that TV deal happening so that at least we can see it online somewhere. Yeah, for, for now, um, the uh, Liga Pro, Said uh, Chi, they, they have highlights up on, on YouTube, which um, is what we have to make do with until we can get the, the VPNs and, and all that working. Um, so at least at least there's that. I guess there's one other way to see some of the games, and that is to fly directly to Italy and uh, hope that there's no uh, issues with uh, strikes or anything like that and, and go and see some of these teams play at some of the stadiums. It's a good time to do it as well because this season it looks like attendances are going to be up um, pretty much across the, the, the peninsula, you know, apart from perhaps Atalanta under-23s who played in front of 448 people, but uh, you know, in places like Catania and places like... Um, you know, in, in Foggia, once they reopen the stadium um, throughout the country, uh, in Spal even, in Ferrara, I should say, uh, where Spal play, uh, there are going to be big crowds. So, so it'll be a great atmosphere wherever you go. Yeah, there's a big Sicilian sort of contingency in the diaspora that they want to see the Rossazzurri, the Sicilian sides in particular, but the Rossazzurri, I guess, uh, after Palermo and uh, with Messina, uh, you would think, the most popular Catania, such a big sort of whack of immigrants that left there to seek the uh, fortunes on the other side of the planet. But they are coached by Luca Tabiani. Get to Catania to see them play. It is a magical city as well. The Elefanti, uh, Via Ednea there, everything's... It's not far from Messina, Tarmina, where they filmed White Lotus, the second series uh, that is nearby. Yes, that's Ross Peligra and that Peligra group who are part of the uh, Elefante. Capacity of around 20,000, at the Angelo Massimino, the stadium there in the middle of Catania, the city itself, a seaside town in Sicily near uh, Mount Etna as well. So, uh, Andy, we'll leave it there. And we, we thank you. È stato un piacere, come sempre. Thank you, David. It's been a pleasure for me too. Thank you. Don't forget that the Lega Pro Serie C has kicked off. Serie B is about four match days in, I think. Uh, Catanzaro Parma leading that 
If you're new to the Lego Football Podcast, go and check out our YouTube page as well. We've got interviews with the great Hakan Suka, who is a Turkish international record holder of the fastest goal in a FIFA World Cup. That is a five-part series. There's also the Maradona mural tour of Naples. When we visited last season, we did a Lego football tour where we did four games in five days, including the Champions League. We followed Napoli's progress throughout their historic season of winning the Scudetto for the very first time since the Maradona days. Emmett Gates is one of the contributors. He'll be back. Hopefully he will check in from South America where he'll be going to some of the local games. We've got plenty of other contributors. Andy Wallace, hopefully he'll be back. Jura from uh, the Netherlands will also be joining us once again. Joe Fischetti from the Fortunapoli pod and plenty more. I'm David Farini. Until next time, ci sentiamo. This is Lego Football.